Hi, everyone, and welcome back once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Spring Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's awesome to be with you today. Thanks for taking time to join us. Today is Wednesday, March 30th. Today is also the last session in our study of Daniel, and we're going to talk about that believers can confess their sins knowing God offers forgiveness. It's going to be a great journey today. We're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 to 19, and we'll get to all of that and more in just a minute. But as always, would you join me in an opening word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord Most High, open our hearts and minds to receive this truth today out of Daniel 9. Lord, bless all that have come to listen today. We are so thankful for them. And Lord, I pray that that we would just continue to move forward as we open your word and study. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. You know, many of us have a hard time saying I'm sorry because we struggle to admit that we're wrong. Apologizing places us in a vulnerable situation because we're confessing our failure to someone. Yet the forgiveness that comes from admitting our mistake can actually restore a relationship and it can often actually strengthen it. And that leads me to our first question of the day. Are you ready? Here we go. Question number one. In what situations do you find it most difficult to admit that you're wrong? Well, why don't we just get down to the bottom line with the opening question? Gee, I've always struggled with this issue of admitting I'm wrong. I mean, I don't think I'm all that in a bag of chips. I just have always struggled with it. The reason is that somehow through my life, it became tied with the idea of me failing. And that snowballed into a hit against my self-worth. And, well, you can see how it would continue to go downhill from there. But even though I've gotten better at admitting when I'm wrong, the hardest times are when I've wronged a loved one. For instance, my wife, my children, grandchildren, close friends, even the church. But God isn't through with me yet, and he's not through with you either, beloved. Second question. How can admitting our wrongdoing to someone actually strengthen a relationship? Well, admitting when you're wrong can build trust and it actually shows integrity. Typically, when a person realizes they've made a mistake, others have noticed too. A person who then fails to admit they were wrong, it can leave the other person or persons feeling as though that person considers being right more important than being honest. Taking responsibility demonstrates that a person values integrity over the easier paths of laying blame or hoping their mistake won't be exposed. Admitting when you're wrong also shows you're aware of and therefore in a position to learn from your mistakes. This can further build confidence in your relationship. All right, let's explore the text, shall we? You know, while it's true that relationships can be strengthened as a result of forgiveness, today we're going to see its significance in our relationship with God. In this study, we'll observe how Daniel's prayer modeled how we should approach God in seeking forgiveness of our sin. First, let me give you a little bit of background. At the end of last week's study, chapter 7, we saw that Daniel had a terrifying vision and interpretation. But through it all, we saw how Daniel's dream affirmed the eternal existence of God's kingdom. In Daniel chapter 8 through 12, it records the final three visions of the book of Daniel. In the first vision, Daniel 8 verses 1 to 4, Daniel saw a strong ram who did as he pleased. 
Then in verses 5 through 7, a male goat with one horn attacked the ram and defeated it soundly. Then in verse 8, the goat's horn was broken and four horns took its place. And in verses 9 to 14, from that one horn came a small horn that had great power and persecuted God's people. Then in verses 15 through 19, the angel Gabriel interpreted the vision. In verses 20 and 21, it said the ram and goat represented the Persian and Greek empires, respectively. And in verses 22 to 26, it said that four kingdoms would arise from the Greek empire and one would establish itself above the others. Now, in chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3, they provide the context for Daniel's prayer. In 539 BC, Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah, where he read the exile would last 70 years. That's from Jeremiah 25, verses 11 and 12, and Jeremiah 29, verse 10. For Daniel and some others, the exile had begun in 605 BC, so he realized it might soon end. Consequently, Daniel prayed to God and asked him to confirm his word. And that brings us up to the beginning of today's study. So here's a brief outline of what we're going to be talking about. Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 6, we're titling this Confession Made. Then in verses 7 to 14, we're calling this Righteousness Seen. And in our final section of scripture, verses 15 to 19, we're calling this Forgiveness Sought. So open up your Bible or Bible app to Daniel chapter 9, verses 4 through 6, and let's get to study in this first section we're calling Confession Made. This is what the passage reads, or how the passage reads. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Here's our first question. Look at verse 1 of the text. It says, you always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises. Let me ask you this. What is a covenant and why is a covenant important? A covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two parties make binding promises to each other and work together to reach a common goal. They're often accompanied by oaths, signs, and ceremonies. Covenants contain defined obligations and commitments, but differ from a contract in that they are relational and personal. Think of marriage. In love, a husband and wife choose to enter into a formal relationship binding themselves to one another in lifelong faithfulness and devotion. Then they work as partners to reach a common goal, like building a career or raising children together. That's a covenant. And it's important because since the creation of the world, God's relationship to man has been defined by specific requirements and promises. God tells people how he wants them to act and also makes promises about how he will act toward them in various circumstances. And that's what we see here in verse 4. Number two, question. In verses 5 and 6, Daniel used five verbs to describe the people's failure. What are they? Well, the first four failures are in verse 5, so let's look there. First, Daniel said 
the people had sinned. These words literally meant missed the mark. The people had fallen short of God's righteous standard. Second, Daniel said they had done wrong. This is related to the word often translated iniquities and contains the idea of crookedness. Third, Daniel said the people had rebelled against God. This word denotes open rebellion against God's commands, both in word and deed. Fourth, Daniel said the people had scorned the Lord's commands and regulations. Finally, in verse 6, Daniel said they had refused to listen to your servants, the prophets. God had sent his law through Moses and told them living by it would bring blessing. Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. When the people didn't listen, he sent prophets to turn them back to him. The prophets often introduced their messages by saying, this is what the Lord says. By that expression, they were telling the people they were bringing God's message, not their own. Unfortunately, most people did not listen, and some even persecuted the prophets. Number three, question. What happens when we confess our sins to God? Particularly, take a look at 1 John 1, 9. And then I ask again, what happens when we confess our sins to God? And here's the second part. How does our confession change us? Well, let's tackle the first part of that question. What happens when we confess our sins to God? Again, take a look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. In admitting or confessing our sins and receiving Christ's cleansing, we are, number one, agreeing with God that our sin truly is sin and that we're willing to turn from it. Number two, ensuring that we don't conceal our sins from him and consequently from ourselves. And number three, recognizing our tendency to sin and relying on God's power to overcome it. Beloved, God wants to forgive us. When we come to Christ, he forgives all the sins we've committed or will ever commit. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So how does our confession change us? There's an old adage that says, confession is good for the soul. Maybe you've heard that. I know my grandmother used to say that quite often. This is true, though. God wants us to live with a clear conscience and a pure heart. Matthew 5, 8, Psalm 24, 4. This is only possible when we regularly confess and forsake our sins, keeping the model of Jesus ever before us. 1 Corinthians 4, 16. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He never had to confess his sins because he never committed any. Hebrews 4, 15. But no one else can truthfully say that. So we need to learn how to confess our sins regularly, both to God and to other people, so that we can live free of guilt and shame. Number four, question. How does confession move a person toward repentance? Confession is an honest assessment and expression of reality. But confession alone does not change behavior. Confession invites the forgiveness and cleansing of God onto our broken lives. But it is repentance that ultimately changes the course of our recovery over the long haul. Repentance is the process of turning away from anything opposed to truth. Repentance provides the balance to confession. We confess to agree with truth and then we repent to turn away from the opposing thought, belief, 
or action that prompted the confession. Through repentance, we train our minds and hearts to focus on that which leads us to life and freedom. Truth, in other words. And as we continually turn toward truth, we experience the power of God unleashed on the false thoughts, beliefs, and actions that seek to pull us again into darkness, shame, and despair. Well, that completes our first part of the study. The next point in the outline is righteousness seen. Let's look at Daniel chapter 9, verses 7 to 14, and notice that it begins and ends with Daniel referencing God's righteousness. Here's how it reads. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened to Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. Question number one. In verse seven, what words did Daniel speak that affirmed God's character? And what was the penalty for the people's disobedience? Let's look at the first part. The opening words of verse 7 say, Lord, you are in the right. Other translations may read, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. This highlights the Lord's vindication. This highlights and affirms God's character. To answer the second question, God has promised the people blessing if they followed him in faithful obedience. When they didn't, he warned them through his word and through his prophets. Eventually, the exile came as a result of his righteous judgment. Question 2. In verses 11 through 13, Daniel references curses as outlined in Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 to 68. God had given the people of Israel a choice. In a nutshell, what was it, and how can that apply to us today? I would really encourage you to go and read Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68, to find out about the specific nature of those curses. They are unbelievable. So let's get to the question in a nutshell. What was it, and how can that apply to us today? The choice was to obey God and receive blessings or disobey God and face curses. That was it. The affliction was meant to turn the people to God. When we face difficult circumstances, we should ask ourselves if God has reason to send judgment. If we think so, we've got to urgently seek his forgiveness. Then we can ask him to help us through our troubles. Question three. In verse 14, 
Daniel once again affirmed he and his people had not obeyed God. What is the clear message we should receive from this? Well, first of all, if the people really believed in God, they would have followed his commands, but they didn't. Even after disaster struck them, they refused to obey him. God still uses circumstances, other people, and most importantly, his word to bring his people back to him. The question we should be asking ourselves is, what would it take for God to get your attention? Now let's turn our attention to the last part of our outline today, which is forgiveness sought. And we'll be reading Daniel 9, verses 15 to 19. Here's how it goes. O Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. O oh, my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O oh, Lord, hear. O oh, Lord, forgive. O oh, Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay, O oh, my God. For your people and your city bear your name. And that leads to this first question. Considering these verses as a whole, what was Daniel's attitude as he approached God in prayer? I think this is a great lesson for all of us as we approach God in prayer. Daniel approached God with humility and honesty, and he further recalled Israel's sins, and he sought forgiveness. Complete humility and honesty. Amazing. But then that begs the question, why is humility and honesty important as we approach God? Well, first of all, I believe biblical honesty is not possible apart from humility. Your view will always be distorted without humbly assessing your own sins and shortcomings before God and repenting from them. Check out Matthew 7 verses 1 to 5, Philippians 2, 1 to 4, and Galatians 6, 1. Biblical honesty also listens well. As we humble ourselves before God and others, we will desire his wisdom and understanding rather than simply an opportunity to push our own opinions. Check out Proverbs 5.1, Proverbs 18.2 and 6, and Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. And lastly, biblical honesty means speaking the truth in love and humility, even when we think the listener might reject us. Nobody wants to be rejected. But patronizing others does not help them, nor does it honor God. Speaking the truth humbly in love ultimately builds up others, meeting them in their need, and it points them to Christ. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Question 2. In verse 16, Daniel uses the expression, your holy mountain. What does this refer to? The expression holy mountain denotes the mount where the temple stood before Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. 
Daniel said the destruction happened because of the sins of the people and their ancestors. The people could not plead their case for restoration based on their righteousness, but Daniel called on God to bring honor to his own name as he affirmed Jerusalem and that the people had become an object of ridicule to the nations around them. And the last question I have for you today is this. Number three, in verse 18, does Daniel pray for mercy or help? Daniel prayed for mercy because he knew that his people deserved God's wrath and punishment. God sends his help, not because we deserve it, but because he wants to show great mercy. If God would refuse to help us because of our sin, how could we complain? But when he sends mercy, when we deserve punishment, how can we withhold our praise and thanksgiving to him? Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our study in Daniel. To sum up what we talked about today, throughout his prayer, Daniel affirmed God's holy character and confessed the people's failure. But as long as the people lived in exile and the land lay desolate, God's honor suffered. Those who witnessed Israel's plight knew of the God they worshiped, and some may have doubted God's ability to redeem his people. Daniel knew God's honor was at stake. So he urged the Lord to act quickly and decisively. Friend, God will grant forgiveness to repentant people. He knows we can never measure up to his righteous standard. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as sin's perfect sacrifice once and for all, Hebrews 9, 12 through 14. When we repent of our sins and place our faith in Christ, we receive God's salvation and forgiveness, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Forgiveness comes when we confess our sin. Friends, I hope that you've been blessed over these last 12 weeks. It's been that long that we've been studying together in this cycle. It's been a really wonderful journey through Ezekiel, which we started with, and we've ended with Daniel. Now, next week, Wednesday, April 6th, I'm not going to have a study as I'm going to take a quick break and prepare for the next study coming up which is going to resume on Wednesday, April 13th. We've got a brand new seven-week study in Philippians coming titled Running the Race. I really am excited about it, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Until then, enjoy your break next week, and I'll be back with you on the 13th. Thanks again. We appreciate you so much. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.